Welcome back to another hour of Scotch Hour. Uh, this is Noah. And this is Jesse. And uh, tonight is episode 115. I think we have a great lineup here for us. We have uh, Kilcoming Casado. Uh, this is supposed to be a special release, I believe, right? Yes. And then from there, we have our shout outs and get it togethers. Uh, and then our restaurant review of being uh, My Neighbor Felix. My Neighbor Felix. And then uh, tonight's shout out is goals uh and then uh, before we jump in and have you uh, introduce us to this fine new kill coming for us to try uh please like and share and subscribe to our podcast uh we are trying to get our uh get our viewership or at least subscribers at least up to a thousand so we can open up some of these other features on youtube and um yeah, just I mean, you don't have to. You only have to listen to us once. If you if you just just you don't have to continue to listen to us or whatever. Uh, but just uh, please help us out and get us to that thousand mark. And then um, if you like uh, or even share the uh, podcast with others, that also helps uh, get our uh, podcast out there. And um, please leave some comments. Uh, I think that's something that we've been lacking here. Uh, some from some of our viewers, we love to hear what you have to say. Tell us like what you like about our show, what you don't like about our show. Uh, give us some comments about like what you like us to uh, review or any kind of smart challenge that you like to hear from us. And uh, with that, uh, did I miss anything? I think that's the big piece. Give us some feedback. We'd love to use it, and we have. Scotch review. All right, Kilcomen Casado, another Isla single malt scotch. The Kilcomen, uh, established in 2005 by the Wills family. And uh, it's a, a husband and wife that started this in, wow, we're not even 20 years ago. We're talking basically 18 years ago. They, they established the Kilcomen distillery and brought along their three sons uh, but the biggest piece here is what they were really going after which was a total farm sense so a sense of a scotch that was all isla where the barley is grown on their farm where they um, literally live off the land for themselves while producing this fine spirit and their sons are all involved in marketing and advertising um, different aspects of publicity for the scotch and distillery the 2022 casado is it's gonna be great i have no doubt of that this is a scotch where not only do they use their own barley uh, but the first round of aging the first step of aging is for six years in first time fill bourbon casks uh, and then after that that's when the casado which is portuguese for marriage really comes to play because the last two years it is aged in ex portuguese red wine vats to bring out the flavor in the spirit it is non-chill filtered it is no color added it is 46 percent abv and some of the tasting notes do sound pretty fantastic 
um, I know that they have got, because the wife is is in charge of this, uh, the wife's in charge of the tours and visiting, so they've got some great tours. No, you want to kick that off? Yeah, actually, they got a whole bunch of tours. I'm trying to do some, like, uh, late-minute searching here, but... They have their classic tour, uh, which uh, they do allow both the adults and children to attend. It's about one hour. It's about one hour. Uh, and for adults, it does cost about $12 USD. Um, but uh, once again, that is uh, that does fluctuate depending on what the uh, exchange rate is. Uh, then they also have what's called the limited editions tasting. Uh, here you're accompanied by one of their guides that uh, takes you through an in-depth look at the tradition traditional processes that go into making scotch um and here uh these are um group sizes are about like six and above um uh, but it's like fifty dollars for that one then they got some of these other kind of experiences they got the founder cast tasting uh these are for club members only so you do have to jo- uh, join the club uh, and it's $68 and it's one hour. And so here, Kilcoman Club members can join Anthony Wills. Uh, that's Kilcoman's founder and managing director to sample six uh, specially selected cask samples from their warehouse. So that one sounds like it'd be pretty fun. So you might want to be a member before you try to do that <laughs> one. Uh, then they have what's called a roving tasting. The, uh, the roving tasting is a tour that promises uh, to be to be a treat uh, for all your senses. You enjoy a dram in each area of the distillery. That one's about an hour and 30 minutes and it costs about 31 USD. They also have uh, ones called barley varieties, exploration tasting. Uh, this one is only about 45 minutes long. Then they have another one that's uh, past, present and future tasting. Uh, that's an hour long. Uh, and then they have a live on, I don't know how, how they do this, but <laughs> they do charge uh, about uh, 35 USD for this, but it's a live online tasting. I'm not sure how you do that. Uh, maybe you have to go out and buy these. I'm not, or I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it is uh, hosted by Anthony and Peter Wills on a li- uh, live on Facebook. And YouTube channels, for those of you who can't make it to the Isla in person, don't worry. You can still join us virtually for this tasting of the latest Kilcoman releases, including a sample of this year's uh, Feast release. I guess maybe that's what the 20 or $30 is for. They send it to you. I don't know. Uh, then they got this thing where you can be a bottler, where you go there and you can like bottle, like learn to bottle some stuff and then they have the regular farm tour which is an hour and a half so they got like a whole bunch of things going on here uh unlike some of these other distilleries where they have like one or two or three experiences they have a ton or a plethora for you to choose from for both you and the family uh there's some of them like they where it does allow for you know children so it could be a, an educational thing for you and the, uh you know for, if you want to do like a family tour or if you're like us and we're going out there if we do go out there or when we go out there it'll be for the podcast so probably something like the club membership one would be, be the better way to go absolutely it is interesting because one of the things it is all set on a farm uh, where they do of course grow their own barley as mentioned and with that, they also deal with some of the things that a farm will. We've talked about this in the past. Uh, the Kilcomen Distillery is, uh, 
I don't know if it's burdened or treated to that annual goose and geese migration um, each year of approximately 50,000 geese that do visit the farm. Uh, and then that's it. At that point, it sounds like a lot of these different tours are closed and then they reopen that up when it's safe, I'm guessing. <laughs> Uh, after the geese move on and continue their migratory pattern uh, and the fields have been fertilized for free question mark <laughs> possibly and, you know they do say like uh some cultures do believe that is good luck if a bird shits on you so well i don't know if that geese would fall in that category but maybe i, I call it a bird <laughs> I still wouldn't want it to happen to me. Yeah, not looking forward to that. But now that I know <laughs> that, I will not wear my fine, finest clothes to go visit the Kilcomen Distillery. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, the only other thing we should say is we have had a couple of other Kilcomens in our 115 episodes now. So we had the Macher Bay. And the sun egg. Sure, I'll butcher it as being American. <laughs> I say mocker, mocker bay, and sun egg. All right, so we're gonna say sun egg, and I'm gonna go with mocker bear. <laughs> Day, but uh, this is uh, the third for this venture in our tastings. The first two did not let us down. This is the first one, however, with our newer point scale, and we will see how it ultimately rates. The box, the presentation itself, uh, it's a, a nice box. They've done a Good job giving it some depth in the printing and pressing of it. So you've got the gold Isla and the dark maroon Isla in a textured pattern upon the box. Uh, the shorter and stouter box, if you will, and bottle. But the bottles have never let us down either. It's not an unhandsome bottle. It's not necessarily sexy. It's not necessarily bringing sexy back, but it is good looking. It is fairly conservative. It has more of that mature look where they've got the great colors, the off-white, the cream, um, and the spirit itself is looking pretty tasty. I agree. All right, jump right in. Yeah. We're jumping in here, pulling the foil. The foil is pressed at the top, so it is not just one of those cheap foils. I believe Noah paid $120, $135 after tax maybe for this bottle. think so. Right around that range. So it's not on the less expensive side, but it is that limited release that they come out with each year where it does have the six years in first-time bourbon fill casks, the two additional years marriage in Portuguese with the Portuguese red wine casks. Nice solid wooden top, solid cork bottom. And a dram for the man. Should say that on the box, it does notate that it, there is no added coloring. So everything does come from, I think, uh, was it level two and level three charred uh, casks? Yes. 
which is about what fifty parts per million, I think, is what they say. I forget how exactly how that breaks down. I don't know exactly how they break that down either, but yes, that is what they say. <laughs> <laughs> parts per million. Oh, excuse me. Thank you. All right. Well, I guess uh, from there we'll go ahead and give these a try. Get to our warp speed and our tasting notes. Cheers. Right, cheers. So Kilcoman has, as you mentioned before, never really let us down. This is the uh, Casado or their marriage, the marriage of a bourbon cask with Portuguese uh, red wine casks. Um, I'm not really sure Portuguese are all that well known for their red wines. <laughs> yeah. uh, and maybe uh, there's a reason for that. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and jump into this. First off, I uh, looking at this, it is a, what I put here is a light golden straw color. Uh, I do like, I do prefer it to be a little bit darker, but there really wasn't anything wrong with this coloring here. It didn't really seem like there's a whole lot of imperfections or anything like that. And since it is all natural coloring, I did give it a four out of five points. Uh, the uh, presentation, um, I do like their bottles, even though it's not like, Super sexy, as you mentioned before. Uh, I do like how it kind of makes it reminiscent of a uh, of a still, uh, and I like how they use a, a real wooden topper. Uh, so the design itself too is kind of more on the classical side or traditional side. So I do enjoy that as well. So I still gave that a four out of five. It would be a lower four out of five though, because I was like almost kind of thinking maybe she'd be like a three point five, but since we don't really like <laughs> take an account of, of like half points here, I just rounded it up to a four. The aroma, um, this is probably like the weakest part, uh, the weakest part of this uh, scotch for me. <laughs> uh, at first, it was really hard for me to pick up any any notes here, but um, what I did find was that. It has some saline with apricot and uh, some some floral notes, uh, as well as like smoky oak. So really, the uh, saline and apricot I got uh, originally. Uh, the floral notes I, I started to get that when you, you poured it into a bigger uh, glass. So this was where I got the saline and apricot from. Here's where I got the uh, floral from. And then when I put it in, into my hands, that's where I got some like smoke, uh, some smoky oak, uh, uh, maybe a little bit of peat there. But really, uh, inside the, the glasses, um, I really didn't get that smoky oak or peat until I warmed it up a little bit. Which maybe this could just be one of these uh, scotches where over the show or over time, as it opens up, it might release more of its aromas and uh, allow us to view or share more notes with us. At, as we progress. Uh, so I did give that 25 out of 30. Um, the palette, uh, this is, this probably got the highest points for me here. Uh, the front is filled with uh, fruity sweetness of berries and apricot. Uh, so that's what I got. Like when I first tasted it, uh, then the mid palette was a nice, light, refreshing citrus, maybe from like lemon, uh, which kind of helped wash away that sweetness, in my opinion. Uh, bringing in uh, to the uh, finish, which leads to a black pepper or cinnamon type of spice. 
uh, with smoked peat and light hints of raspberry in the finish. And the finish isn't like too long, but it's not super short either. I'd say it's like a medium finish. And for me, this this scotch here is pretty light bodied all the way through. It's not really heavy. It doesn't really coat your mouth. Uh, and it's not something that's kind of like chewy or so it's not very jammy or anything like that. So it's, it's pretty light body to me. So the palate, I, because I did like the, the sweetness and light, uh, and the refreshing notes before it went into the spice, I gave that 27 out of 30, which I thought is pretty generous there. Uh, and the finish, I gave it 26 out of 30. So I gave me 86 points. All right. Well, I agree with you. Oh, wait, before you jump in. Yes. Uh, would I take this to a black tire fair? Probably not. I don't think this would, would uh, send the uh, statement that I would want. Um, not that saying that it's a, a bad bottle or anything like that, but I would want, like, if I'm taking something to a black tire fair, I want it to stand out a little bit more than this. I think this one would kind of be lost in the shuffle. Uh, would I take it to a poker night with friends? Uh, not that I really do play poker, but if I did, I'd take this to that. And would I share it with friends that, uh, you know, that came over or whatever? Definitely, yes. I would share that. Um, but for, like, my, uh, you know, my close friends who are, like, super scotch connoisseurs, uh, I would share this with them if they wanted to give it a try. But I probably would, like, share one of my more reserved stuff with them. Much like yourself on presentation, not a bad-looking bottle, not a bad-looking box. But, again, a four. It's not the next level for me. It's still at the four. I do like some of the things they've done to make it look more authentic, almost. Um, you know, when you get to those points with, like, Blanton's bourbon, when you see the batch number and stuff handwritten on the labels, that's that next level um, that I think they're going after with the signatures here. But they're just not quite there. Um, still, though, a very good bottle and box, four out of five. Color. So, for me, this color is summer blonde this is that blonde hair that has been kissed by the sunshine in the middle of the summer it's like mammy vice for me you know it's like the blonde walking down the beach while the cops are walking their beat in their suits and driving their ferraris and then they can't help but turn their heads to the blonde walking by or roller skating by you know miami beach um it is that it is that summer blonde it is it is what i will say is the color is fun, and that kind of starts into the flavor and the nose for me. I agree with you. Um, first of all, I did give it a fire for color because I like the summer blonde, and I love that they didn't add color. However, I would say don't necessarily tout that you've got no color added when it's pretty pale. That's It's like almost unnecessary at that point. But at the same time, um, that, there's nothing wrong with that, except when you start talking about how your charred oaks give it all of its natural color. All right. Again, like I agree with you. Some of those, the McAllens or the Dalmors with that darker skin uh, are more enticing, more drawing in. You got the summer blonde. You want the summer skin to go with it. And it is not there. Um, on the nose, much like yourself, this was my weakest score. Interestingly enough, also gave it a 25. And the the nose did take a while for me to get much of anything out. Once I finally did, it is 
oak. And I think that's one of the things I actually like about this scotch is that it is oak through and through. So it goes from oak to brine, hints of uh, smoke. And when I say hint, the slightest hint of smoke and also... Uh, and I'm guessing this is coming from these charred casks that they're using, but like burnt black pepper, a little hint of burnt black pepper when you're grilling and you got the meat or your fish on the grill and you're throwing your pepper over and the flame catches a couple of those pieces. That is a little bit of that, that, that smell I'm getting on the nose of this. Um, and for me though, what I do also enjoy uh, super mild though is that last little bit the floral hint at the end for me was almost refreshing or really is almost refreshing on the palate uh, much like yourself starts out sweet and creamy with I got more peach than apricot but a little bit of that as well that follows into a mild hint of black pepper, uh, a little bit of black pepper on the palate, more more oak, um, a little bit of smoke. The sweet that went away comes back just briefly into toffee, and then it dries out into this finish um, with burnt pepper. Again, burnt black pepper, I should really emphasize. Smoke, it's dry, it's earthy, and the oak at the end is profound. So on the, the palate, the strongest score for me as well, a 28. Um, the finish, a 26. So one point off years, I wrap this one up at an 88. Oh, you were an 86. I'm two points off. Yeah. 86 <laughs> and 88. Okay. Um, but I do enjoy it. Now, you mentioned the different pieces. Would I share this with friends? I actually think this is a very unique scotch. It, it took a little while to open up. <laughs> a little while, I mean like five minutes, right? But 10 minutes maybe. Uh, it took a little while to open up, but once it did, it is very unique. I can see why it has a special place. So if I have someone that is uh, another scotch connoisseur, someone who enjoys it, I am absolutely, much like you said, sharing this with friends and pointing out some of these different pieces and talking about how again like you said i agree i don't know like i've had some great greek wines i don't know that i've ever had a great portuguese wine so with that uh this marriage uh who knows where you know what the long-standing piece is um if they really got out what they wanted out of it is another question but it's good. I would definitely share this with friends and compare it to some other scotches from Isla. I do think comparing other Isla scotches, this one uh, more towards the center of the island versus Lagavulin, Ardbeg, Lafroig, which are on that southeastern piece of the coast. Um, this one a little bit further inland. I'm really talking about that farm and some of the different pieces they have done there. Uh, smoke is still a big piece, but I don't get it. I don't, I don't taste peat. I don't know that they add peat. They may not, um, but it is great, and I do enjoy the smoke. Uh, would I take it to a poker night? Maybe we should change poker night up because neither one of us play poker, right? Not regularly. The last time I played <laughs> poker was my kids. They cleaned house. <laughs> But would I take it to a game night? There we go. There we go. Night. Would I take it to a game now? Night. And I think I would. And I think I would do that because it's one of those pieces where at a game night, this is not something 
chances are pretty damn good. You bring this to a game night, no one else has tried it yet. And then you also get to get other people's opinions. And what's great about game night there, and I like that thought because it's the same with poker night, but typically by the end of poker night, you're expected to be less than fully (laughs) aware. Uh, But game night, you're still competing um, and you're getting a different sense, maybe two, three, four hours later about what is this scotch like that much later? Was it good with a glass of wine? Was it good with certain foods i do like game night i think that's the way to go uh with game night so yes i would absolutely take it to a game night the black tie is the hard one and there is just a piece that is not quite i agree with you it's not quite sexy enough i'm not trying to pull this in uh you know with black tie typically you want attention you want to get noticed and i'm not thinking this is getting the job done for me unless it is absolutely married to one of the colors I am wearing. And if that's the case, if I'm wearing a tie this color with some gold, yes, um, I, I might drag it in. But then again, it has to be right there with me. Um, but I do like it, it, but I would also not bring it to black tie. It's time for our shout outs. My shout out is going to go to my kiddos, uh, Mila and Aiden. Awesome job. Mila, first of all, uh, doing a nice job with your birthday, having a good birthday. It's tough being 18, 19 years old to have to deal with all your family in a birthday. I remember, and I'm not saying bad tough. It's just a lot. It's heavy because there is this transition where you're not a kid anymore. And it almost becomes unsettling, even though you know everyone loves you, everyone wants the best for you. Uh, But I thought she did an amazing job when we went and visited my parents in particular, really holding her own. Uh, So great job there. And Aiden, man, um, got his job and continues to do well and thrive at at, at that job. Not an easy job. And uh, so Aiden, Mila, proud of you both. All right, well, I'm going to give a shout-out to Brian's kids. Uh, So, yeah, the big year. Yep, all three of them are graduating. Uh, I think their graduation date is this Wednesday. So they're all graduating from high school and uh, moving on to uh, college. And I think all three of them are going to see you last time I heard. So so congratulations to to the Moline family and – Having all three of them graduate and moving forward in life, as Mila did last year. Yeah, that is awesome. Man, can you imagine, though, like, dad's a teacher, your mom works for the school district, too. You better freaking pass. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) You better graduate. That is awesome. That's a huge thing, and I don't mean to make anything less of it. No, I'm just saying it is interesting. Uh, Man, three kids graduating, one year, big year. Life uh, changes very quickly. So I agree. That's an awesome shout out. Yeah, it'd be nice to see how they all like, uh, how they all progress from this point forward going going forward. Because up to this point, they all live with, with, with parents, with, like with mom and dad, uh, with Brian and Aaron. Now they're going, now they're going off to college and now they're going to, you know, find their own ways and stuff like that. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, they all progress in life. And, you know, and I, I like, just from an outside looking in, like I only met your kids because we had like lost touch and then, and then, I, then we came back. So I only got to see your kids like the last couple of years. But I've seen his kids from the time that they're like premature babies all the way till till now. So I'm kind of interested to see like what happens with them. 
Um, I only get it together is going to be for anyone who's surprised <laughs> that uh, uh, a an agreement. If you're not surprised that an agreement has not come to fruition for the debt ceiling change and increasing the debt ceiling, you got to realize who was finally put in office. This guy took, you know, roughly a decade to get the chair he wanted. <laughs> Longer than that, actually. Um, this guy doesn't give up. Now he is in a position, an important position, uh, and I will say it's a position of power. He's got to use it the right way. And um, that's tough. Everyone's like, well, why isn't he just do it? Well, because he's trying to do what's best. And I actually do believe that. But more importantly. So who are you referring to? Carthy. Okay. <laughs> like. I just want to make sure. Like, yeah. I, I didn't hear you say it. Yeah. Anything. No, I just. like McCarthy's not just going to bend over is my point. And for Biden thinking he's going to go in there as the president and just make this guy change his mind. No, and this is a guy who's going to make a decision. But the other piece is, I believe whatever decision he makes not may not be the most popular one when he finally gets what he needs. But he's going to stand by it. He is going to, he's, he's not just coming up with something to please people. He is doing what he really believes is right. And I, and I hope I'm right. Time will very shortly tell. But with that, I really respect that um, people in power who use their power for the big picture and not just, well, I'm getting paid a ton and I'm going to make them sweat a little bit and I'm going to be in the news and I'm going to get paid and then I'll just sign a paper. Well, McCarthy is in a very precarious position anyways because in order for him to become the uh, the Speaker of the House, he had to sign a document saying that he would uphold uh, to the to the stuff that the uh, MAGA uh, Republicans wanted. Uh, which So if he violates that, uh, it only takes like one or two of them to vote him out of being the house, uh, being the speaker of the house, and then a whole new process will begin uh, for us to find a speaker of the house. So he, he, uh, regardless, of like before, I think when he, because I think he's more of like a rhino than he is a MAGA uh, type of Republican, and so I think he probably would have folded before, but now because he's beholden to these MAGA Republicans, he has to hold the line a little bit better. So. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think uh, whatever, whatever he does, hopefully, is the right is the right move. But uh, honestly, we can't continue to keep raising the debt ceiling. It's not like you can keep putting yourself more and more and more in debt, and think at one day you're going to be able to get yourself out of debt because at that point you're going to become bankrupt. Which actually goes into my get it together. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, is this going to have something to do with banks? <laughs> Kind of. Uh, so it just came out recently that the United States mm. was uh, was uh, basically um, given the designation of being a worse credit uh, nation than Mexico, Brazil, or Greece, saying that we are more uh, at risk of default than Mexico. Brazil or Greece, and think about this: Greece just went through a whole huge default, uh, where they're like their money collapsed just a few years back. Uh, Mexico's economy has never been great, and then you got Brazil, which after they put in this uh, uh, this new president they they had, their economy is now starting to falter. So we're not in a very good position at all. 
and you just can't continue to raise the, the debt. So, in my opinion, for those who are in charge of the U.S. economy, uh, get it together. Make good choices, people. All right, this week's restaurant review is my neighbor Felix, the Centennial location, um, located off of oh man, Clinton? is it Clinton? Clinton, just south of Arapahoe Road, a little bit north of Dry Creek. It is the old Landry's location. Uh, if anyone's been in that area for a decade or more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you want me to go first? You want? Yeah, if you want to. I'm gonna jump right in. Then, all right. Well, walking up to my neighbor Felix, honestly, from the outside, it's a pretty great looking building. They did a nice job uh, repainting it, redecorating it. I feel like they just haven't quite 100% wrapped up the parking lot though. That still doesn't feel very finished compared to the rest. As you walk from the parking lot to the building, uh, it continues to look clean, crisp, modern, but still almost like Oceanside. Uh, because of the, the building, it's got one of those shapes that reminds me of buildings you find along a coastline for a restaurant. Going into it, I thought it was great. Modern decor, very inviting, friendly staff. We didn't sit there, but the bar area looked cool as hell. Um, and then the restaurant itself was a fair size. We didn't get a chance because it was... A day of hail, we found out later, but uh, a nasty weather day. Um, so I didn't get a chance. We didn't get a chance to sit outside, but they do have a little bit of outside seating, which could be fantastic on a fair weather day. Um, after sitting down and, and enjoying the decor, it was comfortable. I, I loved their real wood tables and furniture, wooden floors. I also uh, liked how they decorated the walls, the ceilings, multiple levels. Levels recessed, um, good lighting, lots of fun. I thought that piece was great. Moving beyond that, the drinks. They have a, a broad selection of drinks. And I went with the Mango Margarita. It was fabuloso. It was fantastic. Real mango juice in there. Um, tragically in a sense but also probably what makes it dangerous is i couldn't even taste the tequila uh, it was so smooth very not overly sweet but very sweet uh, and the flavor went fantastic with the first of our uh, food choices which was the three uh, salsa and chips appetizer and the three salsas were a red salsa a green salsa and then the mango salsa which was by far the win mango and corn um seasoned spice just right i thought all three were delicious the chips were really good nice crisp but still almost like a cantina style not gonna break a tooth even if they were overcooked um and they were a fun color i i liked the uh purple color that they added to the chips which followed up by uh my neighbor's nachos and i had the steak my neighbor's nachos this thing 15 bucks a little bit more for the steak man it was a lot of nachos 
it was also delicious. And I believe you said it best when we were eating and you mentioned, man, I don't like soggy chips, but this is still good. <laughs> and it was, it was delicious. It was hard after filling up. This plate was more than I could eat. Uh, at least alone, I, I couldn't finish, not because I didn't want to. I kept trying to pick away at it. It was delicious. I loved the cheese. I loved the fresh cut vegetables on it. The chips, again, did get a little soggy wherever they had poured the salsa or the queso, both of which were delicious, but they were still good. They didn't, they, they didn't lose the flavor. So even though they weren't crisp, they still had that flavor and the steak was amazing. So overall, for the atmosphere and ambiance inside, um, you know, this is a tough one because it's not cheap. It's definitely not expensive though on the flip side. Uh, so it's in that mid range and the atmosphere for me, um, and it's relatively new, it was a nine. Um, the service was really good as well. And this, this gets tricky because man, they did just open, but they were staffed. It wasn't like we were waiting. Our server was friendly and appropriate. Um, she did a really nice job. And so crazy enough, uh, man, I, I, this could be like the, my highest rated restaurant mid-range restaurant um, service also was a nine the food and drink i had no complaints zero complaints i loved the fresh aspect to all of it where i felt like and i'm sure they did i like i wouldn't believe if someone told me they didn't make that mango and corn salsa fresh i literally wouldn't believe it because it tasted so good and fresh it did not taste like those flavors had had time to uh mingle and ruin the individuality uh so with that and the drink for this go around also a nine um total value it wasn't necessarily cheap by the time you had everything in there uh um, it wasn't really cheap. However, the portions were really good size. Um, so for me, value, man, again, I can't complain, particularly when we look at other places that were going around. Also a nine. The only thing, if you know we were going to compare it to something else, and you may speak more about this later, is man, tailgate's value still on their value nights has everyone beat the tailgate and Parker. You can, literally can't compete with that. So, uh, but value a nine. Um, overall, um, for me, this is my first mid-range nine. And would I take a meet a friend there? Absolutely. Uh, would I take a date there? Absolutely. Um, it was fun, but I do I am I do wonder if it'll stand the the test of time with that same score. So I will go back uh, a month, two months, three months down the road, and if the score needs to, you know, if the score changes because they have changed things, they're no longer brand new and open. They don't have the same staff or something. We can mention that then, but uh, ultimately it was a win. All right. Well, for me, I do. Agree with the uh, parking lot it does look like uh, they haven't quite finished that part of it um, not that like parking lots have to be pristine or anything like that but it, it does seem like it's kind of like the one part left over from all the construction that they were doing uh, when when you walk in uh, the outside looks really kind of like nice and fresh uh, when you walk in it's very uh, colorful uh, and I would say cl colorful and classy looking. Um, it, I think they're like punching, uh, maybe trying to punch above their pay, uh, above their 
above their status. But when you walk in there, it looks really nice. It looks really snazzy. And uh, honestly, I think the one word, if I could sum up even before <laughs> I do the whole thing, uh, the one word I would use to describe my neighbor Felix is trendy. Yeah. It is a very trendy place. Um, as you mentioned, I, you know, it's, uh, they have like basically it looks almost like four unique areas in the restaurant. You have the bar area, which is totally unique and different from the area that we sat in. And then on the lower level, on the opposite side of the bar, uh, that place, that side looked a little bit unique from where we were at. And then there's an upstairs, which I wish we could have gotten to see because the upstairs looks like it might have been pretty cool. Uh, almost reminded me a little bit of like the the glass onion for some reason, <laughs> but in any case, um, the uh, the art on the wall was I, I I liked. I thought it made the place look nice. It wasn't overly done where it became tacky or anything like that. The lighting was great. Um, so the environment overall, I agree, it's a nine. I definitely would give it a nine for the uh, overall environment. Uh, the nachos we had, uh, they were, I think the chips were called the goddess chips. Yes. And, yes. uh, the, uh, it was like basically chips and salsa, but I'm not really sure. Like, I don't know. I guess sometimes maybe I'm still like in the pre COVID mode where chips and salsa usually just comes at a Mexican restaurant without having <laughs> to order them. Uh, but, uh, I can see why you may have to order them if you wanted to have the uh, mango salsa, which uh, the, the mango and corn, which I thought was a total win. The red, the red salsa and the green salsa, uh, they were okay in my opinion. Nothing great to to you know write home about or anything like that. Uh, now the uh, the main dish I went with the uh, was it my neighbor nachos. nachos. Yeah. I, so the same thing as you did, but I went with the chicken variety. The chicken was done really well. Uh, I had the option of either doing uh, shredded chicken or grilled chicken. I went with the grilled chicken, and the grilled chicken was done up uh, extremely well. And here's a, a one note for me when it comes to nachos. I don't like when they use uh, queso uh, because it makes the uh, the chips all, so, uh, all uh, soggy. Um I, I always like the places where they use the uh, like the shredded cheese and put it in the salamander and they melt all the cheese on there. Uh, therefore, like the ch the chips won't necessarily all get uh, salty or, or soggy. Um, but being that they did use the uh, queso, it actually turned out pretty well. Uh, it was enjoyable, and as you stated, I did say that uh, I'm so full, but uh, and, and I don't like soggy <laughs> chips. But I still want to eat more, um, which is probably a good, uh, you know, a, a, a good sign for their for their nachos there. But it was really meant, I think, for more for two people. And this is where kind of thing I think nowadays it's kind of weird when you look at the appetizers or uh, nachos on these appetizer menus because some of them are like pre-COVID where they are for like more than one person and then because of shrinkflation and all the stuff that's happened after COVID some places are more meant for like one person so you're not really sure like when you order nachos if you can get this big huge thing of nachos or if you can get like a like a small like side uh, yeah like a side <laughs> of nachos uh <laughs> it was the side of nachos. I think it would have been just fine, but be that it was like as big as it was, yeah, that would be an appetizer for like probably three to four people or a meal for two people. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I think you and I did a pretty good job of finishing up most of it. I think the waitress was a little bit of, uh, surprised that we ate as much as we did. <laughs> she, she did make that comment. She was like, wow, that was impressive. <laughs> so the nachos are definitely there. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, value I thought was a little, I, I thought they were a little bit high, but then again, like I said, the serving sizes were kind of, kind of big minus the chips and salsa. I thought it's chips. I think they could have added more chips to the chips and salsa. Um, so I'll give that like the value. I give that like more like an eight, uh, the chips, the meal itself for the chip, uh, for the nachos, that was definitely a nine. Even I don't, even though I don't like queso. <laughs> Uh, yeah, atmosphere. I gave that a nine. Uh, I guess the wait staff. Wait staff was pretty much on point. Even the bartender, the guy who brought over our drinks, I think he might have screwed up and said that our waitress was going on break or whatever. And so he he he, he asked us if we, if he wanted us to you know take our order right then since she was on break, and we both said sure. And, uh, but then she came around and 60, not even 60 seconds later. <laughs> and, uh, and she, she took it in stride or whatever. She didn't like, like say anything or, but she's like, Oh, okay. You already put it in great. You know, and asked if we want anything else. And then, so yeah, I think the wait staff was great there. Uh, they, they, uh, they made sure that they handled everybody. And so I give them a nine there. So honestly, I give it about a nine overall. Um, for the place i definitely think uh people should go there and try it out and uh i'd like to go visit there again uh just one more time to at least try their fajitas with somebody you know like maybe you and i go there again or maybe i can go there with somebody else but to you know try their fajita dish because you said it was for two people and i didn't really read that because i thought it was forty dollars <laughs> for one person on fajitas and i'm like that seems a little bit high for fajitas Got but cocaine in their fajitas <laughs> but yeah um, I, I like to give them a, like a, another shot to just see if, if they are what I think they are. So yeah, overall I'll give them a, a nine. And as far as tailgate goes, as you mentioned, uh, no one beats that, that value there on a Monday night with uh, $7 burgers. No, or happy hour beers or yeah. anything. I mean, you talking about like two, uh, <laughs> micro brew beers and a hamburger Costing you nineteen dollars with tip, with tip, yeah, uh, that is like basically unheard of, dude. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I tipped heavy, and mine was only twenty. And I'm like, to get anything even close to that, at McDonald's would be twelve to fifteen minus the beer, minus the beer, minus the beer. <laughs> so great value tailgate. Cheers to you. That's another yeah. shout out. Yeah, that, another <laughs> shout out to tailgate man. They they do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how they how they can afford those uh, how they can afford those burgers. Though. I'm starting to worry they're going to start doing the shrinkflation or inflation thing. So far, they have not. I don't know how. Yeah, or they're starting to use mystery meat. I have no idea. <laughs> hey, have you seen Ralphie? <laughs> have you seen my dog? This <laughs> burger's real. When you said Ralphie, there, I thought you were talking about the CU mascot. There, <laughs> no, that's a buffalo. That's bison. <laughs> that is still on the menu. You just pay a dollar more. <laughs> So this week's Smarter Challenge, um, to kind of give you a little bit of background here, it is about goals, but um, uh, I used to, uh, I guess, uh, try to run my own business. Um, 
And uh, there was a point there where, you know, I, was, uh, I had put together a uh, slideshow for what we would call an opportunity evening uh, where people would come down, come down and see uh, kind of like what we're doing and how to help out, how we helped out families and stuff. And uh, I was looking at the slideshow that I put together over this past weekend, which had been, I don't know, many, many moons ago when I was still living uh, Utah. in Utah. So we're talking at least at least three years ago, if not more. It's definitely more. I can tell you that much for sure. But in any case, um, it reminded me that I'm not even on the same path that I was, and uh, and I think my thinking has changed quite a bit. And I'm not saying my thinking has changed for the good, uh, for the better or worse. Uh, in some cases, I think some of my th- uh, I think it has gotten better, but I think in other cases, my, my thinking has gotten worse, especially after COVID and how you can go out and do things. And I think, uh, I got myself into some bad habits and, um, this, uh, made me, uh, think that maybe it was time to revisit, uh, setting goals and, uh, getting back on track with some of the things that I wanted in life. And, um, and the funny thing here is like with goals, Anyone can set a goal. Like everyone, everyone can set goals. And uh, what I brought here, uh, some information about goal setting for, to share between the both of us. Um, but this comes from uh, Tommy Newberry. He's the author of a book called Success is Not an Accident. But what he talks about here about why, about the importance of goals is that less than 3% of the people write their goals down on paper with a plan of action and review them every day. A study was done at Yale, and it showed that 3% of the students that went to Yale wrote down their goals with a plan of action and reviewed them every day, and that 3% earned more than the other 97% put together. Uh, the study was then followed up by another study done in, uh, on the 1979 class at Harvard. Uh, and there it says that 13% of them had goals and plans but had not written them down, and only 3% of them had written down their goals and plans. Uh, and uh, the 13% who had goals and plans but not written down earned twice as much as the 87% who didn't have goals and plans. And then the 3% who had written down their goals with a plan of action and review them every day, earn 10 times more than the other 97 put together. So this person is just, you know, uh, Tommy Newberry and, and this, the group of papers here I gave us, um, talks about like 10 reasons why to establish written goals. Uh, he gives seven reasons why people don't write goals. Uh, and then he goes through like the process of how to write a goal and uh, write goals down. And uh, I think that's really important, but I also think uh, back when I was, uh, you know, working with some, with a lot of my mentors, uh, one of uh, one of the mentors, uh, was, you know, he had me like uh, reading in success magazine and stuff like that. And uh, it used to come with like a DVD every month in the uh, success magazine. And one of them was uh, with John Maxwell uh, who's an author who talks about like self-improvement and management and stuff like that. And, uh, he talks about like how everyone, like everyone can write a goal, Like Most people can write down a goal, but what the, where the problem comes in and where a lot of people fail is managing their goals. And, uh, his suggestion was that in order to manage the goal, some people get overwhelmed they look at their goals and they, and then they like, 
let them go by the wayside after a while. So you have to manage your goals. So he talks about how, like, having a three, uh, like a three by five card or some other kind of card that you look at every day. And on the card, you write there, uh, for today and today only, I will do. And then you have a list of like four or five things that you'll do every day. And these are like your day-to-day things that will add up to hit your weekly goals, which will then compound and we hit your monthly goals, which will then compound and hit your three-month goal, which will compound and hit your six-month goal, which will compound and hit your yearly goal. So uh, so I figured this might be a good way for us to um, maybe uh, forge forward and uh, create some goals for ourselves. Absolutely. So uh, any thoughts so far? Well, there are some some interesting and key factors. Uh, I think it's absolutely true. And the first piece is most people can set a goal. You're absolutely right. And all these authors are absolutely right. They can set a goal. Um, with that, the most important piece is being aware of it daily, for sure. And then are you working towards that? And if you have five goals in life, it is fair to say, even if you only give them each one to five minutes a day, you gave it one to five minutes a day, you revisited it, so you don't lose sight of that goal. And things will happen, no matter what, no matter how great your life is, things will happen. And there will be times where you literally have to redirect yourself to revisit those goals, to focus on those goals, and to therefore move forward um, and not get derailed from your long-term plan. Um, Some other pieces that are super interesting, though, is to have a goal, you don't have to share that publicly. You don't know it's in many ways, it's better not to by many authors and speakers and writers in particular, because then different expectations aren't set. And then the truth of the matter is there are a lot of bad people out there, bad people that will intentionally do things to derail you from making your goals. So by not sharing those goals, you Uh, keep them at a distance where they don't know exactly where to strike. One point could be is if you were at work and you were saving, and this is going to be shallow, but it's real. You were saving cans so you could go take your team out to a party and all of a sudden you come to work one day and all the cans are gone. And there's your recycling is just missing and the fund is gone. And, Nobody goes and collects and steals trash unless they're jealous of something. But then if they see that you're almost at one of your goals and they can't do that, they can't compete, there are people who will intentionally take up those bags of cans and throw them away so that you won't meet your goal. And I think that's terrible, but it's real. So it is not always necessary to share specifics with your goals as long as people, you know, it is important for you to be able to share yeah i have goals and then also don't be afraid to say i don't share them with everyone that i don't trust 100 well, percent. i think you make a good point there because uh all my mentors and in any book or author that i've read they they do say that you should uh share it with somebody who you trust and can hold you accountable like basically you have an accountability buddy like obviously the, the only the only person that can hold you accountable is yourself but to have someone that you know that you trust that's in your corner to kind of like uh, help guide you when you hit a rough patch, 
that's why you would share it with somebody that you trust. But to just blanketly uh, announce it out to the public, yeah, then you're like, as you're stating, you set yourself up for possible failure. Well, it's not even, and not even your failure because yeah. people are trying to sabotage you. Yeah, and that's tragic, but it's real. It is real. Like, well, just be real. The government will come after you for taxes <laughs> or something. Who knows? Which is why, <laughs> I, why I mentioned the I don't, I don't know if it was our last show or a couple of shows ago where I talked about you should celebrate other people's wins. That's 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 part of you know doing that. Any case, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I think that's good. Um, the other thing I would share going into making goals um, for yourself, for success, for your plans is that you have to acknowledge, and this is part of why we don't share all of our plans or goals with everyone else, uh, unless you do fully trust them, and that is your goals may not align with others. And so what success looks like to you, what a victory looks like to you may not be what a victory looks like to someone else. And I, you know, a, a good example of this might be many of the books that are around this subject all have to do with money, but money doesn't necessarily mean success to someone like Gandhi or Nietzsche or others who are looking for the full enlightenment and you don't have to be at that level you don't have to be a mother Teresa you can be someone who just goes down once a week and donates time in a homeless shelter at a, uh, a any sort of giving of time to that is that is to improve a community or a group of people um, anything you do to help others can also be part of that fulfillment i think a good example of that is even though i don't know that all of them understand and appreciate it 10 years into their careers a teacher like a great teacher probably goes into this field unless you're in cherry creek and then you make bank but a good teacher probably goes into this field not thinking they're going to get rich they're thinking, I'm going to help kids grow, learn. I'm helping my community or that community learn, grow, and making better people. Um, and then there is the other piece of that, which is then you have a lot of teachers, and you can see it cyclically. There are cycles of this. People who go to be teachers because there's bonuses and this and that and the other, and, it, and they get their degree, and then they go become a teacher, and then they fail when they leave because... And that was never about them. They were all about that one little goal, that one little piece. It wasn't about the bigger piece. So there has to be, with any goal, a bottom line which is more fulfilling than simply a dollar bill. Yeah, I do agree with that. Uh, I think a lot of like uh, the nature of the world that we live in, I think a lot of times they talk about like having to do with money. But if you listen to probably like the godfather of self-improvement, his name is Earl Nightingale. Uh, he has a uh, recording that's out there. You can listen to it on YouTube. It's called uh, The Strangest Secret. And he talks about, like, uh, if you were to go talk to 10 random people or something like that on the street and ask them what the definition of success is, many would get it wrong. And he basically breaks out success as uh, success is anybody in pursuit of a worthy ideal. And he says it's it's the uh, stay-at-home mom who wants to ha like uh, have like the perfect house hold, or it's the teacher who wants to teach kids, kind of like in your example there. And and he talks about like how it's not just about monetary uh, 
leveling stick, I guess, if you will. But it's about anybody who has put together a, a worthy goal or a worthy ideal, and they're in pursuit of that, and they achieve it. That's what success is. And it doesn't necessarily have to revolve around money. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in 100% agreeance with you there. Yeah. So uh, why do you think some people are afraid to uh, set goals? Here is something that is true, and I don't know if you can speak to it for yourself, but I know I can speak to it for myself. There have been times I've been afraid to set a goal for simple fear of failure. I like to win. And so if you don't set a goal to do something better or bigger or a goal that will take time, six months, five years, 10 years, a lifetime, whatever it may be, and it can even be two weeks three months, six months, and a year. If you don't set these goals, um, then you can't fail. And so a big piece of why people don't do that is so they don't fail. Another reason I would say, and this is interesting because this is two-sided uh, because we all have to go after our own goals. But another reason uh, that people don't set goals in my mind is they don't feel supported. And so when we set goals, a lot of times goals are not fully self-ish. Uh, they could include in, in a smaller scale, a family. Uh, they could include in a slightly larger scale, a group of friends or in a big scale work, uh, you know, 100, 200, 300 employees all in one building going after one piece or an entire company, hundreds of thousands of employees at some points going after a, a really big goal. Uh, but depending on what level you're on, if you don't feel like you're going to be given the tools or be supported to do that, man, it is a good reason not to set that goal and not to commit to it. I think you make a really good point there on that one because uh, one thing that I also learned from my mentors, which isn't actually mentioned in this paperwork here, is that when you have when you set a vision or have a vision or you set a goal, you have to make it big enough and open enough to where people can buy into it and want to partake in it and they can set their goals inside of it, basically. So if you have a... Uh, an environment where you don't have that type of uh, support level or maybe the management team or the managers or whatever or, or the leaders uh, don't have a vision that you can buy into uh, or that you can't see yourself developing with inside of that vision, then that kind of like, at least on that uh, professional level, uh, would hinder someone from wanting to set a goal. Because if they can't see themselves succeeding and growing with inside of that goal, then why would they want to set a goal themselves uh, to partake in that? And I, so I think that's very important, especially for anyone who's in like in a leadership position. If you're, if you have a team or a group of people who are, uh, that you are cultivating to help them grow, uh, you need to have a vision or a goal to that. Not only your team can buy into you, but they can also, uh, see themselves growing and set their goals within that goal. And I think that's a huge, a huge, huge uh, um, thing for someone to do to find uh, success in their, in their career path uh, and whatever it may be. Maybe, you know, it, it could be uh, maybe that you're, 
the, the current job that you're in is not your the, your career path that you're taking, but it, it, maybe it's a stepping stone for you. And if it's stepping stone, you still want to be able to you know set a goal within that goal of like with that management team uh, to where you can see yourself succeeding and be able to to pro- progress and then move on to something else better. Um, for me, I think one of the biggest at least I can talk about for me what one of the reasons why when I first. Uh, looked into this and like one of the reasons why I never set set goals and some of the things that held me back is not the fear of failure. It's the other fear, the fear of success. Mm-hmm. And and this one is a little bit weird because uh and, and there are some people who suffer from this is that what happens if I become successful? Uh and they're scared of that success. Because if you hit that goal and you become successful uh, at least like when I, at least when I was younger, I'm like, if I did this, what's going to be asked of me then? And I think it was more because of that unknown that I became more fearful of success than I did become fearful of failure, uh, which I thought is, uh, for me was a, was a bigger fear of, uh, the fear of success. Not because I didn't want to be successful it's just because of the fear of like what happens after I'm successful. That's a great point. And I think there are pieces to that that are very interesting. And first of all, what I want to say is, if you're not a little afraid of committing to setting or accomplishing a goal, you probably didn't set a goal that is really beyond your immediate reach. Because otherwise, it's like, my goal is to walk down to the grocery store and buy a lotto ticket and some beer, walk back, drink the beer. If that's your goal, you're probably not feeling any stress. There's probably no fear because you can probably do it unless the, the grocery store is 50 miles away and you're 100 years old. <laughs> then you may never make that goal and you should be afraid. That could be a great goal. But otherwise, if you're not the crypt keeper <laughs> and you're a, a, a 20-something like us, right, uh, then that's not necessarily a worthy goal. But with that... Um, you know, in the the writings and readings you have shared, one of the biggest pieces is, and I think this is a truth, and I know I've done it, and even recently, which is why I was so excited that you brought this to the table. And that is, along our goal path, especially as we get closer to meeting a goal, and your fear, therefore, of accomplishing then what, The closer we get to meeting a major goal, something that's taken years, the more focused we become on it. And not that that's necessarily wrong, but we get closer and closer and then that fear does build. Okay, I can't fail. I can't fail. I'm this close. I'm this close. This shit, this is really going to (laughs) happen. And then all of a sudden, ah, goddamn, now what? Um, And that is something, again, this is why I was so excited about this is because I realized one of these key factors is knowing how to set goals, but then also how to continue adapting, changing, growing, or creating 
new goals so that you're constantly moving forward. And again, especially with bigger goals, it is really hard. The closer I have gotten in life to making that new goal, hey, I'm this close to a new car, I get so focused and I'm like, okay, don't spend an extra dime, keep your credit score high, don't get into an accident, you don't want the insurance to go up, make sure you save every penny possible, okay, are you on schedule, are you on schedule? I become so focused that I lose sight of, okay, then what? Okay, what's the next goal? Uh, Is this going to hurt more or am I possibly doing more damage, hurting myself by not doing some of these other things to the point where some people get to a point with a major goal that they stop living any sort of life. They They become crippled in fear because they're getting so close to that goal that they aren't able to move forward. And it does, it becomes, uh, it can become debilitating. I think that's another key point of with goals is remembering, and you said it at the beginning, one example, one way to do this is have a note card. Every day you visit it, five goals. Guess what? That's the reason there are five goals on there. So you don't let one cripple you. And I, you know, I can say, honestly, I was, wasn't necessarily crippled, but I was absolutely impacted by the fact that as I got closer to a major goal, And I forgot about the others. Like, it's not that they weren't right in front of me or I didn't talk about them. Sometimes on this show, definitely with you, with others, with my kids, it's just that I became so focused on not failing at the one that ultimately I might have failed at four others. Yeah, and so um, here, as far as Tommy Newberry uh, talks about in his uh, book, he said that uh, there's the seven reasons why people don't uh, set goals for themselves is that one, they haven't accepted a personal responsibility for their lives yet. And that's, I think that's a really huge factor there. I think uh, there are a lot of people who are not self accountable and they still, they still fall into that whole victimhood. Uh, like they're the victims. And so that's probably one reason there that he puts fear of criticism. I think this comes back to your point here about where people will sabotage you. Uh, that's why you don't really. That's why you don't share your goals with uh, with anybody unless you uh, it's someone that you trust. Uh, they simply don't know how to set a goal properly, and that can be truthful too. Because if you've never been taught, then you don't really know. You know, like you've heard of the idea of setting a goal, like okay, this is what I want to achieve, but you don't know how to set up the game plan to to work there or basically anytime you set a goal it's really not setting a a path to get there you set the goal and then you work it backwards to build the path and then as you go forward uh, once you have built that path and you think about like all the obstacles that you may uh encounter uh then you will take time there are certain like uh stepping stones or milestones that you have to hit uh, and then if there's uh, if something didn't hit the way you thought it should hit, then you go back and you review and then you uh, make adjustments moving forward type of thing. Uh, the next one here is that they don't know the importance of goals. I think a lot of people don't know how important it is to set a goal. And that's why many people don't have them today. Uh, the curse of early success. Sometimes when people set a goal, they see the success right away and they're like, oh, well, then I don't really need to set a goal anymore because I can do this. Uh, and then they, they have the, they, that early success. It gives them that false sense of uh, security or that false sense of success. And then later on, they start making bad decisions or they don't follow through. 
Uh, then there's the one that you talked about for you, which was the fear of failure. And then there's the one I talked about for myself, which is the fear of success. So those are the seven reasons that he talked about um, of why people may not set goals. And I think a lot of them are, are pretty true. Any, any thoughts on those? Um, I want to phrase one piece a little bit differently. Okay. Ultimately, it's covered by different aspects in there. But it seems so simple, yet it's not. And what that is, is to be able to speak to yourself or others. And again, you don't have to give all the details. But if you know you have a purpose, and I'm not just take, talking about a, a simple purpose, but a purpose in life, a purpose in the moment, a purpose. So what a purpose is, this gets to intentional. You have a purpose and you have an opportunity to be intentional to go towards your purpose. Your purpose can be to, and you mentioned this, and I think this is great. I think, you know, times have changed so much and no longer, and this is good, according to most, uh, no longer is the man in the house the breadwinner. That is like a thing of the past. And I, I believe, interestingly enough, you said 97% versus 3% of the wealthy versus the not with the goals and the not. That's about the same with where the breadwinner in a house is, is there's still roughly like 3% distinctive breadwinners in a house that is, and this is not a knock, but a whole home, um, that that the male is the breadwinner. Now that could completely be reversed, but it, things have completely changed. But in that home, there is a purpose. So let's say it's daddy daycare style and it's the woman that's the breadwoman and the man that's not. His purpose is to have a clean house, to do the work with the kids because that is a full-time job, especially you have multiple kids. That is a full-time job. Uh, and that is a purpose. It's to raise kids in the absence of the rest of the world. It is to keep a house clean. You got to have a good home. And this is not saying that people can't be great coming from a home that isn't necessarily good, but you got to have a good home um, for some people, that is part of their purpose. I like X, I like Y, I like Z. Uh, but what is that purpose? And part of your purpose can be adding to the community. Again, we talked about you could go volunteer at a homeless shelter. You can clean uh, HIV needles or drug needles out of a park in San Francisco. You can do a million different things. With that, though, there is a purpose, and the purpose is bigger than yourself. Now, Part of the purpose also has to be selfish. And this comes into this subject of what is altruism? Can you truly be altruistic? Uh, I'm guessing no. Still to this day, I've had many an argument, some of them great, with altruism. But at the end of the day, if you did something so that somebody else felt great, you probably felt great. And that's part of the reason you did it. So it's not truly free from you winning, but you got to have a purpose. And that purpose is and should be multifaceted. Yeah, here's a, I think that's a good, so those are good points. And that's, you know, as you said, it's kind of in here, but not specifically said in here. Um, another thing that one of my mentors had talked about uh, when developing goals, uh, they mentioned like you can't have any weaknesses uh, as far as in your goals. Because if you're weak in one area, that will topple other areas. So he talks about having the five F's. Uh, family, 
having goals for family, friends, finance, faith, and fitness. And if you if you give up in one of those areas, and one of those areas is not addressed, that area that you've like haven't addressed will start to uh, will start to I guess breed some uh, I guess neglect or negativity, and then that'll start to falter in the other areas. So, like for instance, you might have someone who uh, has uh, has a great family going; uh, they have great friendships. Uh, their business with the finances, they're doing really well. Uh, and their faith seems really strong, but they're not focused on their fitness, meaning their health, right? And so maybe all of a sudden, because they weren't focusing on their, their health, their health starts to go on a decline, and then, then that starts affecting all the other areas of their life. So when you build uh, goals, uh, his suggestion was that you build goals that address each one of those five because you don't want one of those five areas to falter uh like another one of my uh uh mentors uh he was successful in in all these areas but the one area that he he wasn't focusing in as much is because he thought by focusing on the others that he was addressing it was on the family and then uh his his wife started to cheat because she started to get that validation from somebody else and uh so then uh, that started to address and affect other aspects of his life. And then he had to basically put the bi- his business on hold and go spend time with his wife. And, and then he had to drop like new, like defined boundaries and stuff. But the thing is, is that you have to have all areas of your, of your life covered as far as like your goals that you're setting, because one area uh, after a while could come to a part where it will become detrimental to the other areas. Uh, and I thought that was a really, uh, a really important facet of goal setting goal setting as well. Any thoughts of that idea or do you? No, I, just, I think it's very interesting uh, because I, I didn't know that piece. I haven't heard that piece that I can recollect. However, when I set my goals and there were six of them, um, one of them absolutely has to do with finance. One of them is fitness one of them I called spirit, which would be faith in, in another sense. Right. Um, one was family. And then the the extra one I threw in there, which can be who God knows where exactly that falls, but it was um, with around just like reducing stress. And I don't, I, there was no like simple word. I think for reducing that. stress would probably fall under, <laughs> fit, uh, under fitness as well because that's part of your health. Like definitely mental health, right? Yeah. Because, uh, and, and so with that though, it's just interesting that you just said that because literally that means every one of the five goals I set literally fall into those five categories. And part of the purpose was that not that I thought that one of them could cause failure to the others, but because it was like, man, the only way you're well rounded is if you have these five or six things. <laughs> I, see, isn't that kind of like weird how that works out? It is. So, all right. Uh, I guess at this point, if you want to share anything that like I, I'll I'm going to share two of my goals here because uh, I have no problem sharing these public publicly. The other ones, I uh, uh, actually it's just mainly one I'm sharing, I guess, uh, which is um, is that uh, I'm going to I'm going to be working on, on the health slash fitness section here. Um, and then what I put here for my my for today and today only is that for today and today only I will exercise for one hour. So like well, most likely every time I go to the gym it's more than one hour uh, when I have gone, but I haven't gotten into the habit of doing it every day. 
uh, type of thing. Uh, so that's why I put that in there. Uh, number two is to not eat out. And not that this will happen every day, uh, but obviously like for like when we do our podcast review restaurants, I'm going to eat out. Occasionally there might be another time where I eat out, but for the mass majority of the time, I want to curtail me eating out because when you eat out, you don't know what they're putting into your food all the time. And so part of like fitness is about like, you know, being conscious of like what's going into the body. By this time, we've all seen the show, the movie waiting. So that's what he's talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> uh, the next one here, I put uh, drink uh, one gallon of water every day. Cause I'm very bad at drinking water. I'll drink anything but water. You got to drink a gallon. All right, go get me a 12 pack. <laughs> Uh, then I also put here, read one chapter from a book and then do one thing for the podcast every day. Um, now, like the main the main goal I hear I worked with is that for uh, getting back in or trying to get, you know, exercise in and try to get myself back to where I was previously. My goal is to lose 50 pounds within a year and six months is 25, three months is 12, and one month is four. I think by kind of following some of these, like these dailies here, uh, which I've done in the past. I'll probably hit the goal faster than that, but uh, if I don't, but that's what I set up for my my milestones. And then the other one, I was also told by another mentor that when you make a goal, it, it should make other people laugh, but it should be re, it should be like so far out that you can still achieve it, but it seems somewhat unrealistic that hmm. might make other people laugh. Interesting, because they think it's unattainable. So, so that, that way, it's unthreatening. So this one year uh, goal here is 450 new subscribers. The six month uh, milestone would be 225, three months would be 112, and then one month would be 55. Now I'm not quite sure doing one thing for the podcast every day will help us achieve that. So this is kind of like in that, is it possible? Yes, it's possible because I think once things start like snowballing, you start getting like multiple people right. doing stuff. Uh, so uh, I think this is like one of those ones that seems like, uh, it's unreal. It's realistically, unrealistically attainable type of thing, if that makes sense. So those are the, those are the ones I'm, I'm willing to share to the public. All right. Well, I will as well share some with the public. And for me, one of the things is just every day to really consider, and this seems so, probably simple almost non-impactful but it, you know i did it uh, a year ago and or actually man we're on episode 115 115 uh so really it's almost two years ago when we talked about some different finances things and there were days where as opposed to eating lunch or spending money on eating lunch i still found a way to eat something um i would put put that money away into an investment and i want to get back into the habit because as i got closer to uh, my last goal that had anything to do with mo monetary success and also really a lot of success is I like was just I again full transparency. I became so focused on the one I literally lost focus on many others. Here's a side note. I don't mean to really interrupt you, but you made a comment like when you started doing that like about a year, like two years ago. Yeah. Didn't you like you like 
you like put away, you stashed away enough like a bunch of money like within a year i i put away on t- i never stopped putting away anything else in my 401k or savings or anything else but on top of that i put away 5 grand and didn't feel a penny of it right and so and that was just from a simple conversation that we had on the podcast exactly it literally just came down to yeah you okay we you know be diverse um, be conscious, intentional with that spending or not, and then save. And that was part of my thing back then, though, that I got away from, which was, man, just like it can be $5 a day. Yeah, I think that was like our fifth episode or fourth episode or something like that when we we're talking about cryptocurrencies and, yeah. and, uh, and, and like gold and silver. Yeah. Uh, and I, I could be wrong too. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I really do apologize for interrupting your, your, no, you're absolutely but, right. But I, if I remember correctly, somebody in your life said like, they can't save money. Oh. And you're like, yes, you can. You just need right. to like figure out, you like, you just need it. You could do it. You just have to focus on doing it. Type of thing. Exactly. You have to be intentional. You have to have a purpose. Am, am I wrong in thinking that? that, that no, that's exactly okay. what happened. But the whole point was, is you got to consider even just $5 a day is almost two grand a year. And that's how easy it was, is literally, it was more than $5 a day, because anyone else that can find lunch for $5 anywhere, Chick-fil-A, Target, Walmart, King Supers, Safeway, if you can find a full lunch for $5, please leave us a message on the show, (laughs) because I want the full lunch. I want the meal and the side and a drink, or otherwise, I'm just going to do a can of refried beans that'll last me two lunches and a thing of tortillas, uh, all of a sudden, $4 versus what I was spending easily, 8 to $15 a day on food. You're saving $15 a day of food. It's no longer 1500 roughly, dollars a year. You're talking almost five grand. And that's literally what it came down to. And then, yes, it wasn't just anyone. Lily, if you're out there, I'm sorry. But with my parents, I had a conversation uh, with Lily present. And she said, I can't save. I can't do that. I can't. I can't. And it's like, no, you can it is that easy, but you have to, you just have to commit to it. And to this day, I'm grateful that I did. And I want to get back on board because there are good things that came from me shifting some different priorities, but my investments, um, they, I haven't lost anything. I haven't lost anything, but had I kept investing, how much more I would have gained could be unfathomable. Um, it's just, it's it's amazing. So yes, you're 100% right. It literally though comes down to, um, I, I stopped looking at a big five and focused on that one. And that's the thing. And what it was is I really wanted to make sure I had a vehicle for my son. And so because of that, my spending intentions and different things I did completely changed. And as opposed to investing, and in in a long-term future and when i say long-term i'm talking usually over three years and instead of doing that i was investing in short-term stuff and this is as far as okay entertainment or save a little bit money for a car down payment or do x or y or z um and stressing about okay you know just make sure you have no bills that you're not showing debt so that your credit score is high enough so you get the best interest rate because cars are getting ridiculously expensive and interest rates keep going up every month so you know making sure that piece but i i lost sight of so many other things uh but yes you're absolutely right with what you said in that is that it does come down to this multi-level commitment 
And again, me being fully transparent, I lost sight of some other things so that I could focus on one. And it's not that it wouldn't have changed anything in my outcome. Had I kept doing the other, it would not have changed anything in the outcome. And, and I'm the worst for it. But <laughs> that's just truth. Yeah. So I didn't mean to get you sidetracked there. I, I just, I thought that you made it really like your one goal there. I remember making it kind of a big impact and you trying to give advice to someone else. I, I did. And I tried to share that with others because I was honest. And I'm like, Here's the problem. You can read these books and you can do all these things and they make it sound so simple and it is, but you have to stay focused. You can't not do it. You have to stay regular. And then the other thing is particularly around investing, man, you gotta be, I am still not to this day, a huge crypto believer. Um, I, again, I haven't lost any money, but I'm, I'm not a huge crypto believer, but I have still gained money because of it. And I continue investing in the other things I believed in. Man, my Ulta stock continues to flourish. My Ferrari stock, Target stock. Um, there are a couple others. My Honda stock's doing well. A couple other car makes that aren't doing as well. Man, Ford, I, they just got to figure their shit out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but with that, I still, you know, when I made these investments, it was that simple. It's you just got to commit and then realize you may take some hits. But long term, remember, it's a long term game. And that's part of it, too, is like, oh, do I go throw away money on a six pack of beer or do I go put ten dollars into my uh, financial account? And then when I get to enough days like that, I go buy another share of X stock or Y stock or Z stock. And that's what I was doing. And that is my I, I have not been consistent about it since my most recent goal was accomplished, my big one, but I've done it twice. And so two out of like 14 days is pretty, roughly 14 days is pretty good for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to share or is that? Or is that uh, so there's that piece. And then uh, with fitness for me, I just want to make sure uh, um, for me, it is re relatively, and I think it's good to incorporate the stress with the fitness. I want to lose those two inches off my waist so I can fit in all my sexiest clothes. I love my Armani, my Xenia. I love all my great suits. Man, Tom Ford, I'm right around the corner, back to fitting in you. Um, so I, I just, it's not that much weight if I'm committed. So I want to get back into that piece. And I do think other pieces will fall into line with that as far as stress does come from different pieces. When you start to let go of one of the five, stress can build um spirit is uh and, and family go hand in hand for me i really want to make sure i take some time this summer with my kids and have some adventures and adventures may be 15 miles away they may be 500 miles away but i want to have some Roswell. of those yeah that's what <laughs> i'm talking about i want to have some of those because those are big deals um and yeah those those are the big ones that are you know Nobody can threaten those. Those are the easy ones that are wins. Um, the, the longer one, the longer term one is, man, just with all that money and, and different situations, just keeping finances in check and continue doing the other things I already currently have planned. Man, it, it's going to be, it could be toy time in a few years. And toys typically cost, uh, you know, $100,000 or more. And they go very fast. And I'm worth it. <laughs> I'm worth it. <laughs> God, I don't know exactly how that song goes. Right? <laughs> All right. Uh, any any uh, any final word? Any final? Well, I'll I'll do my final word, and then you can give your final word. Perfect. On this. Um, 
I, I can say when I was younger, uh, I knew about goals. I didn't really realize the importance of goals. I do know one of the reasons why it held me back is the uh, fear of success. As I, uh, But I knew that there was something more like after I went to college and stuff like that. Um, and that's why I seeked out mentors, and these mentors helped me. I do believe that uh, regardless if you ever in your past have ever hit one of your goals or not, um, that it is something important that one should do and learn how to manage their goals. It's it's one thing to, to set a goal. It's a whole different thing to manage a goal. And you have to manage your goals if you are wanting to be successful and reaching them long term. Because you can... Short term, you can keep on it for you know a day or maybe a month or maybe a, a few months. But eventually, somewhere down the line, if you're not managing your goal, there'll come a time where you'll you might say like, oh, "I'm not going to do it today," and then today might turn into tomorrow, and then tomorrow might turn into a week, and week turns into months, and then it's all downhill from there. So, uh, just remember. Uh, one of those, just remember that, like that study that he talked about with Harvard too, right? That 3% making 10 times more than the other 97% put together. That's a huge thing of, uh, of why a goal would be important to uh, write down and maintain and manage. So uh, with that, I just think it's important. Any, any, any final words for you on goals? Um, my one question around that study would be, so if you ever find this out or if you already know the answer, please shout it out. What was the difference besides that with those three with the way they set their goals versus how anyone else of the 13% or whatever did or did not set goals? Because I think there is a probably a truth into that too. Um, I don't know what it is, but I'm curious to see if it's mathematically backed, if it's spiritually backed, or if it's just completely well-rounded with whether it be five, three, eight, 12 things. Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact details. I can tell you that much. I just know that they wrote it down and they reviewed them every day. That's, but I didn't actually like go super in depth and try to find that, that study <laughs> uh, of, of, of the Yale students or the Harvard students, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. All right. Uh, my only other thing is uh, really that I want to round this up with is thank you, Noah. My uh, final shout out going to Noah for episode 115 for bringing this up because it was literally I was shocked during the last episode about the perfection around the timing for this. Because as simple as buying, getting a new car may seem with other things that are involved in life, with trying to save money, with doing other things, um, it was not a small task. It, it was not. And uh, so there was planning that went into it and strategy and a lot of pieces. But what I found and what I've shared is true. The closer I got to it, and this was a several year plan, uh, the closer I got to it, the more focused I became upon it solely and let go of some other things. So this is perfect. I love it. Thank you, Noah, for bringing this up. Cheers for this great Smarter Challenge. Um, and then, uh, man, the only other thing I would say is with your smarter challenge, 
make it something that again has purpose and meaning to you make it something where if you wake up if you wrote it down whether it be on a vision board or on a note card or on a post-it note you keep in your wallet until that one wears out and you replace it with another post-it note or the back of a fortune cookie you know uh, fortune whatever that may be um Make sure you do that because it is just that easy and that difficult. It's that difficult to remember it some days when you wake up and you're racing. And it's also that easy when you give yourself that quick reminder. So please take the time, make some goals. And what I do believe is that making those goals does create a greater fulfillment in life, a greater purpose, and also helps people want to become more well-rounded. And when I say well-rounded, good people, successful people, typically do great things not for just for themselves, but they do great things for themselves, also their families, their spouses, their communities, and their work. Um, they support lots of different ways, and they typically do not drain anyone negatively, except maybe emotionally for people who don't agree with them or are jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next week's topic? All right, next week's smarter challenge is we're going to go watch because it's been this lifelong like fl- franchise, right? We started watching this when my mom had one of those Honda Civics, just like the <laughs> ones in the original Fast and the Furious movie. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. He also remembers her passing people on the outside lanes and saying, well, if you're going to break one rule, <laughs> we'll break them all. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's a mom for you. And uh, next week, Scotch, if you haven't uh, seen all the different options up here, next week, Scotch is the Old Pultney Hoodart. And it hopefully will be a fantastic Highland Scotch whiskey for episode 116. All right. Well, looking forward to that and looking looking forward to a much easier, smarter challenge. Uh, then do some introspect, uh, rather than like doing some introspective work on myself. Uh, so here with that, uh, I want to thank everyone for watching us. Uh, thank you for everyone who watches us on YouTube and, uh, and rumble and, uh, all the, uh, podcast uh, platforms that you may listen to us on. I greatly appreciate that. We greatly appreciate that. And, uh, if you do want to become a patron member in the, uh, descriptions down below, the very first link there, uh, will allow you to become a patron member and anything that you do invest in us, we invest into the show and hopefully give back to you in that sense. Um, with that, uh, thank you very much for your support, and I'll pass it along to Jesse to close this out. All right. As we're wrapping up, I will say the Kilcomen Casado married is uh, a f- fun scotch. It is fun. It, I think it's fitting, actually, for the subject and the restaurant review because it's an enjoyable scotch and the longer it is set out it hasn't changed dynamically but it has become more fluid uh what i would say is the name partially true to uh, the the portuguese word is the flavors are more married uh, the peppers the spice the brine everything else just going fluidly with that though here's part of our purpose is to remember that life is great um that we're enjoying these things please remember drive and drink responsibly if you drink too much do not drive, not even to the 7-Eleven for that cardboard pizza. Um, remember to 
be smart. Um, and then remember, like, the importance of community and community can be friends. It can be family. It can be a whole neighborhood. It can be people you work with. It can be a number of things, but do have that impact. Make some good plans. Use this. If you have feedback or you have other ideas about plans, please share them. Some people are very mathematical. Some are not. For me, I actually shared with my kids last week. Yeah, I've got my uh, my toy savings account book and once a week I uh, tally up any additional money I've added to that future. And sometimes it loses too, because sometimes it's an investment in the market or the exchange goes down. And I also adjust for that. So uh, it, it's interesting, but it's part of that plan. It's an ongoing, growing thing. And for me, it also helps just to really be conscious of progress. Progress is in itself a win. Uh, but with that, man, remember next week, Fast and Furious, the 10, the old Pultney, Hudart, and life is great. All right. Till next week. Scotchman! Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a Patreon member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.